Crafty Radio, episode 95, November 19th, 2007. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show dedicated to craft beer and the craft brewing industry. This is Jeff Bear. I'm Greg Weiss. And this is my computer. That's a nice computer. It's a Mac Pro. Yeah, MacBook Pro. He's cool. He's going to be uh, showing us all the news tonight. Since I still don't, I still <laughs> don't have a working good. printer. We didn't do a show in a couple weeks. No, it's just it, there's been a lot of things that happened, and I shouldn't really eat that during the main show. Uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of things that have happened, so, well... We and I was We're uh, back. Yes, I was out of town on a little bit of a beer tour. There's a Heather and Jeff getaway, which turned into it's cold. There's not much to do. Mm, it's good it to breweries. Cold. It is definitely getting chilly. So, um, talk a little bit about that. This is the, one of the beers I brought back. This is Antler Brown Ale from Barley Creek Brewing Company. This is in the Poconos. Yeah. I had a couple beers from Barley Creek, and this one knocked my socks off. So, hopefully, the bottle came across the same way. Brown Ale, you say? Yep. Okay. So a brown ale, of course, you're looking for something pretty malty, you know, malty not overtly so. Uh, generally, the American versions are going to be hoppy, so you're going to get some uh, bitterness at the end there. And you're looking for like this kind of a, a palish brown, not too dark. Well, I'd call this a good solid brown, not a dark brown. Right. Um, color of iced tea. It's pours with a nice uh, off-white, really tight head. That's interesting. In the aroma, I'm getting like lots of caramel and. Um... First, I, I, I smelled, I smelled what what seemed to be a little bit of a sulfury smell, but that's gone now. I'm getting a hint of coffee as well. Now it's back again. There's a little bit of sulfur there. Uh, I'm picking up a really clean malty smell. I'm not picking up anything like sulfury. You smell that here. Well, yours does have a different smell to it. Here's some of mine. Yeah, your smells better. Weird. Same <laughs> bottle. Yep. I guess the bottom half tasted better than the top. It smells better than the top half. <laughs> it's probably just an artifact, and it should go away. So, like most brown ales, it's not exactly uh, a beer that you might call thick. Mm-hmm. It's got a bit of aqueousness to it. Uh, it's got some some nice malt flavor. It's balanced, uh, so it's, it's not going to kill you, go overboard with flavors. It's got a little bit of bitterness back there. Could stand to be a bit bitter, could stand to be a bit more direct in its maltiness, I think. I think the, it, it's dry, dare I say a bit astringent. The bitterness is either coming through or the, the maybe there's a little bit of chocolate malt in this that gives it that astringency, um, which is not something I remember from when I had it on draft, so it was a lot sweeter and maltier on right. draft. In the pre-show, we did a dry stout uh, from Boulevard. That was is really good. And this one, it, it, it's kind of competing with that in flavor and it's losing out. I think just because the dry stout gave you a lot more, it was more robust. This is not mm-hmm. nearly as robust. But it's not bad. Yeah, I'm wondering how much that the stout is, is interfering with what we're tasting now. I know a stout before a brown ale is, is bad etiquette, but yeah. I, I wanted, this was so good, I wanted to do it on the show. And it's not really screaming for us It's right a now. decent enough drinker. What's the alcohol on this one? Not listed. I'm going to guess around five. Yeah, somewhere. I would say it's it's moderate for for the style, right in the average. Yeah, we're going to. Um, so the trip we left 
Friday morning after mm-hmm. Heather's doctor's appointment, we headed north on 79, had lunch at North Country Brewing, and we headed across 80, and it's just a desolate wasteland. So we drove <laughs> like three hours, three and a half hours to Williamsport, and there's two breweries there. There's Abbey Wright and Bullfrog Brewing. I mean, you might have had something from Bullfrog at the Penn Fest. They've been there a couple of years. Um, but they had a bunch of good beers. Abbey Wright had three or four beers, or I guess they had four beers. Um, they were decent, but nothing outstanding. They weren't bad. There's just nothing really memorable. Um, Bullfrog had a bunch of beers. They had nine, I think. And um, Yeah, I heard that they have a lot of beers. I think we, we had somebody who sent us a mail saying that they had some, a lot of beers. Okay. Yeah, they had a bunch of beers. And what was it? The first first Saturday of the month or something, they have um, Kegs Gone Wild, which... Yeah, Greg looked at me with the, he heard Wild the Right Way. When I saw it, I'm like, oh, it's just a happy hour. But no, Kegs Gone Wild is where they bring out, they've been doing a bunch of sour beers, like, for a couple years now. Oh, okay. they have gone wild. Gone wild. And I'm like, oh, man, I wish I could have tried those. Because they've been working up some of their own. Guy said that, you know, it wasn't like they buy the wild blend from one of the yeast manufacturers. They've been stepping up one of their own. So it might have started with one of those, but... It's probably evolved. So, yeah, if you're anywhere in north central Pennsylvania, check out the uh, wild ales from Bullfrog. So then we drove to... As we've said many times before, you cannot go wrong with sour beers. You you will find people who say they don't like beer who go nuts for a sour beer. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The... um, Do one little segment here. We'll take a break and talk more about the beer. Then we drove to the Poconos where we had a a hotel room and uh we're on the way to the hotel we drive right past barley creek i'm like well that's convenient so we went back there and had some beers had a little tour of their brewery really small brewery it's the closest thing to a homebrew kit system that i've seen at a brewery i mean it was one of those ones where the the mash tun had the wooden slats so it looked like like a norwegian hot tub type thing and the hot liquor tank the uh, the brew kettle was actually bricked in so it was like like a permanent brew kettle bricked all the way up. It was pretty cool. That's cool. And then they uh, they do ale and lager fermentation there, so they had some lagers. They had a uh, an old ale on tap that I was begging them to. They didn't have growlers. Mm. They uh, so I talked to the brewer. I'm like, do you, do you have a hand capper? Can you cap me off? I'm like, he's like, well, we don't have labels. I'm like, put a brown ale label on it or something. I want to take some of this home. And he wouldn't budge. I, mm. I couldn't get any. I was actually going to. Did you tell to, him you were from Craft Beer Radio? He didn't care. <laughs> actually, I was going to. We didn't get back in time, but I was going to go back with some plastic water drinking bottles and mm. buy some pints and fill up the water drinking bottles to get some home. But I didn't get around to doing that. Yeah, I'm a sucker for old ales. That's for sure. I wanted to bring some home for you because that was after you messaged, you know, messaged me. Like, bring me home whenever you can. So, <laughs> so we got three beers. Might well be drinking two of them tonight, but... This, uh, is Brownell coming around at all for you? Is it? Oh, I already, I finished it. I, I liked it. Uh, it. It grew on me a bit as I was drinking it. It still doesn't taste as full as I remembered. Yes, it, it's not a very. It, it's not a full beer. It, it's it's more. I got a six pack of this, so I'm gonna have to try it some more, and we'll update you if it if it improved. Right. It's more sessionistic, but I still think it's probably around five instead of three or four. So it's not quite as. Uh, okay, so the next one comes beer. from a growler. This is uh, from Bethlehem Brew Works. Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. The Stumbling Monk. The Stumbling, so it's a Belgian style, I imagine. Belgian Pale Ale, I think is what they called it. There is, 
one of my sister's friends was telling me about a store they used to have in Boston, I guess, in, in the early 90s, before the craft beer revolution came about, where you could brew your own beer there. You go in, you you make your recipe, and I guess brew it with their equipment, mm-hmm. and then they will ferment it for you and bottle it for you, then you come and pick it up and take it home. Yeah, they have brew-on-premise stores all over the place. I don't think you can do it in Pennsylvania. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I haven't seen it in Pennsylvania. But uh, the one place in Cleveland where we stopped at, Buckeye Brewing Company, was a brew-on-premise place with, you know, brewery included. You know, you got to love these liberal states where the, these things don't have to be completely separated right. like they are in Pennsylvania. Yeah, so you go and you use their, you know, semi-pro equipment, and you can ferment it there. Um, I didn't know they bottle it for you. That's probably an additional fee, but... Yeah, I'm sure. But that's... That's awesome because, man, the worst part about brewing your own beer is all that cleanup you have to do. Well, yeah, I suppose. I mean, I would have expected you clean up after yourself at these places, but maybe you pay you, for that too. You, I mean, I'm sure you clean up every so, but you have to, I mean, you're taking it out of storage, putting it, yeah. you know, sanitizing everything beforehand. I'm sure that they help you out with that mm-hmm, at least right. a bit. So. It, it really, you know, I'm sure you 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 pay certainly more than you would otherwise. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, if, if they had those around here, I'd I'd do it. I'd really <laughs> would would get into it. I'm sure. I don't think they're legal in the state, but if someone knows different in Pennsylvania, if you can brew on premise, let me know. So this is coming through. This is uh, pretty dark. This is kind of almost the same color as the brown ale, and I'm smelling like a spicing, like a, a nutmeg or. A, Cinnamon or something. Yeah, I was going to say, it kind of has an odie smell and a little bit of, of nutmeg to it, too. I, I didn't taste this as a spice. It's not a, it's not a holiday beer. I didn't taste any spices when I drank it in Bethlehem. And uh, But um, right now I'm smelling like, oh, this smells like a Christmas beer. It smells like nutmeg. Having a hard time seeing where Belgian comes in. Oh, maybe okay. There at the end, maybe there's a little bit of sweetness at the end there that kind of mm-hmm. goes it comes to it. This beer is pretty cold right now. I'm trying to warm it up. Some. Okay, it's it's definitely oaty, and uh, it's got sort of a toasted oat flavor. I don't know if they actually used oats in it or not, but it kind of has that. Well, we should talk about a little bit news while this beer warms up. Yeah. Did you see the news that uh, that Widmer and Red Hook are merging? I did see that. And they're also kind of bringing in uh, Kona Brewing Company and Goose Island. Now, Red Hook is, is partially owned by Anheuser Busch, right? Partially owned, yes. And but Woodbury Brothers already had a uh, distribution deal with Anheuser Busch. Okay. Goose Island had a distribution deal. Well, they don't have a distribution deal with Anheuser Busch. They have a part ownership by Widmer of Goose Island. Widmer brews Kona Brewing Company's mainland beer, and now they're all going to be the Craft Brewers Alliance. Now. I, don't know how this affects which, which to me is kind of a stupid name because <laughs> I mean I understand you, they're no I don't actually are they going to keep their their labels and keep yeah, their names the beers are aren't going to change but I mean they're they're it's a consolidation of craft brewers but are they going to call themselves still Widmer Brothers or is it going to be the Craft Brewers Alliance whatever Widmer Hefeweizen from Brewed by the Craft Brewers Alliance. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, because if they if they put Craft Brewers Alliance on their labels, that's not going to sell. Well, no, it's still going to be Red Hook 
yeah. ESB. Okay, and, and that's Widmer had and that, then, then that's not a problem. Then it's just yeah consolidation in order to, to maximize profits. Right now, I I thought about this long and hard. I'm still not sure how I feel about that. Part of what makes the craft brewing industry so good is all the independents doing these crazy things. I'm so sick of that bullshit. Yeah, yeah, because. This is a growing industry, and a growing industry, there's going to be a need for consolidation at a certain point, and uh, there's also going to be uh, there's going to be people, success stories and, and failure stories. You have to accept that, and yeah, I mean, if you want to get broader distribution, if you want to be a success, and it's all, I mean, it, it's still about getting your beer out there and appreciating your beer and being artisan about your beer. You can still do that while at the same time being a success. I. I hate that sellout mentality. I, I wasn't sure I was saying sellout. And like I said, I never did come to a conclusion on how exactly I, if I think this is good or bad. I mean, because I don't know. I can't imagine. I mean, it's, if it's good for them to, to be more successful, then that's fine. As long as the product doesn't change, right? That's the right. key for all us beer lovers is don't change the product. Uh, don't cheapen the product. Don't you make it more you know, non right. craft beer drinker friendly. Yeah, just exactly. keep the product the same. As long and, as product- and not only that, but also keep keep playing around and keep coming up with new stuff. Certainly, and yeah. There's you know because the, the, I think th- those are two sides of the same coin. One, don't change your stuff, and two, don't sit on your laurels. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a good point. I didn't say that, but yeah, that's the other thing. You worry about this big alliance of okay, so it's always going to be Widmer, Hefeweizen, and Red Hook ESB, and Winterhook, and Black Hook, and you know, nothing new coming from any of these right. guys. And that's kind of counter to the exploratory, exciting nature that you know a lot of beer geeks are always saying, hey, what do you got that's new? Now, that's not to say that there isn't a danger of that happening, but I don't think you can just say, I don't like this happening because there's a danger of that happening. You know, I don't like the idea of consolidation because there's a danger that, that these brewers won't produce it, good stuff anymore it is very that, that doesn't see, that doesn't fly to me as a, as a reason for it not to happen it is interesting that Anheuser-Busch is associated with all these breweries in this deal I think it kind of helped brought them together certainly it could be I mean because Goose Island and Widmer already had an association right. I don't think Widmer, Widmer and Red Hook had any kind of formal association before now I mean, they say in the press releases that they've, you know, they're both pioneering brewers. They helped each other out from the beginning. They were, you know, just, they were in the same part of the country, things like that. But I don't think they had any formal association. Uh, yeah, we'll have to see how it works out and what this craft brewer alliance becomes. And hopefully it's not this uh, trash bin of, you know, where breweries go to just be complacent. <laughs> kind of mesticize them in a way. They just sort of turn into these outputs of of one particular type of beer or one particular flavor and that's it. Yeah, that would be bad. I'm not saying that wouldn't be bad. I'm just saying that I don't think just because it's happening it's it's a bad thing, which I've seen some people think that. Mm-hmm. I can't get over the ginger flavor in this beer. It's just so omnipresent, which is I didn't taste it at all. If I remember right, what I had poured off the same tap that filled the scrawler was something that was a lot more raisiny and um there was a little bit of funk to it. Yeah. As it's warming up, definitely ginger's coming out. Some of that Belgian sweet character is coming out at the end. There's definitely a little bit of wild character. I mean, not like, not sour, not Flanders red, right. but a little bit of Belgian yeast, doing some Belgian yeast things right. going to. And this tastes more like a Christmas beer, which is an interesting change. 
I still think it, it, it tastes oaty. I think that that's... No, and the aroma, now I'm getting a little bit of funk smell, a little bit of tartness. Yes, so am I. It had to warm up a bit. So hopefully that tartness comes through the flavor if we warm it up even more. So I was just... I we just had, found this bit of news. Yeah. I uh, haven't read the whole article yet because the Beer Advocate site is really slow, but apparently... The Sam Adams Longshot Contest, I mentioned how I was very impressed that they picked a double IPA, this, this Plenty of the Elder clone, to brew. And then they put out a press release saying they're going to have to delay the release of the IPA. It's not going to be out with the regular six-pack, apparently. I haven't read the whole story, so I'm not sure of the details on that. But the hop shortage is affecting Samuel Adams. They can't get the right kind of hops to brew this beer. So they're going to delay it. They're still going to put it out, apparently. Right. I don't think it's a question of them not – I mean, they can get it. They can pull strings they had to and get it. It's a question of it not I'm being not worth sh- their not- while. Because the long shot thing, if, they don't, if Mike they don't Mc- do it to make money, I think. Well, no. If Mike McDowell used some hard-to-find hops, there are hops that brewers cannot get. Other people really? already I mean, have them under contract. I mean, they would have to buy them off of the brewers. They're the hop play- they might not be able to get, say, tomahawk hops or something like that. I guess it's possible. I think it's more likely that it's just it isn't economically feasible for Sam Adams to do this right now, and they have to. I mean, you still have to pay attention to the bottom line when you're running a business. Yeah, the hop shortage seems to be pretty drastic. I was reading Lou Bryson's blog on uh, loubryson.blogspot.com, seen through a glass, and he was talking with a brewer who was quoted twenty three dollars a pound for hops for Cascades. I think um, that's about the price that. Uh, that's more than what I've paid for our little homebrew packet. And brewers, when you buy hundreds of pounds of hops, get a bigger discount than homebrewers right. by buying an ounce of hops. Um, so, yeah, you're going to definitely see price changes. And what I hope you see is I hope you see style changes. I, it'd be very interesting to, like if people start going for the Scottish Ale. Or, I mean, hey, I don't know many wild beers or sour beers that are hoppy. Yeah. Yeah, that could be a way to maximize right. investment. I mean, you can certainly get a lot of flavor out of it, and people love sour beers, like I said. Although a lot of people can't aren't set up to brew and ferment for wild beers. Yeah, that's though. true. And also, telling people it's a sour beer is not the same thing as tasting a sour beer because people will probably recoil from someone who said this beer is sour versus after they until they actually mm-hmm. taste it Absolutely. and really like it. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, the 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 super hoppy double IPAs might really jump in price. And you might see more people experimenting with milds and bitters and barley wines. And I mean, I mean, maybe a barley wine needs enough, a lot of hops to still balance and it's still relatively high on the hop consumption. But and I think we still have to to accept the idea that hops are the main game in craft brewing right now, and they're not likely to go away soon. Just because there's a hop shortage, it doesn't mean that people's tastes will change. Yeah, and people are still going to go for hoppy beers by and large. I don't think in, in, unless they just in, unless there is no IPAs or double IPAs on the shelves at all, people are still going to gravitate towards those. When I was general. at the Bethlehem Brew Works, they were out of their IPA, and they were out of they won the pro am for an IPA as well, the pro am competition at Great American Beer Fest, and they didn't have that beers. And I asked the guy, he's like, "Well, he, he said it tongue in cheek, joking about the hop shortage." I was like. Really, you're changing your production because of the hops? Like, no, that's not the case. I was just joking. I'm like, oh, okay. I was like, but I was almost shocked and horrified and, and interested that you know brewers are actually changing their brewing habits because the hops are 
too scant or too expensive. Mm-hmm. So if anyone out there has firsthand knowledge of um, brewers are changing what they brew because of the hop shortage, I'd love to hear about it. Send us an email, beer at craftbeerradio.com. So we got an email here from Sarah, and Sarah says, I recently down, excuse me, Sarah says, I accidentally downloaded your podcast while looking for the basic brewing video podcast, and I'm glad I did. <laughs> I've long loved craft beer, I've long loved craft brews, but I'm new to the sort of craft beer culture, and I have to say that the thing that keeps me listening is the adjective choice on this show, chewy, coriander bomb, and my very favorite horse blanket. Uh, we haven't used a lot of adjectives today. No, no, we've been busy telling stories. Oh, I must say that horse blanket really wasn't our invention. I no. have to give that to Michael Jackson. Yeah, but it it, it certainly works. Some, she, pe- some people would disagree, but she points out that she has to comment on man candy. She says we should talk about this concept. Oh man, have we got feedback on man candy? <laughs> I think we kind of need to let it run its course, but yeah. let's just read this. This can be the wrap up email yeah. about man candy. I think it is a great way to talk about IPAs, which are really usually. F- favored by men, but the shortened version MC is just BS. Either commit to it, or stop saying it. But shortening is just silly. It's like going around saying the F word instead of well, the F word. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree. We did it sort of our, I kind of did it as a as an olive branch to the people who hate it, but right. I think that if we're going to do it, we should just commit and and, and you know as they say, shit or get off the pot. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, I'll, we'll take that into consideration. We're not going to use MC anymore. I mean, my plan is to reserve man candy for the top tier mm-hmm. of that flavor that we get out of the beers. So we're not going to overuse it. And the people that despise it can take some solace in knowing that you're not going to hear it very often. But we still like it as a descriptor. So we're going to stick with it. I, I still think it, 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 it describes it so perfectly that I'm, I'm sorry that... People consider it to have other connotations, but we don't look at it that way. So the beer. It's warming up. It's it's getting I'm still tasting all kinds of ginger and nutmeg and stuff like that. There's yeah, there's it seems like there's a lot of spices in here. I didn't taste that at all before. It's like weird. I said, it was raisins and, and a little bit of like it was a little acidic. This is from the same tap too. It's not I know. This has been in the you know, growling for three weeks, two weeks. So I it was it was tart and raisiny, and and now it's not tart and it's ginger and and nutmeg. Crazy. It's good. It's a good beer, no matter what, though. Absolutely. Well, should we move on to the Chimay's? Sounds like a plan, Stan. So this is Chimay. Now we have. We talked about them before when we way back when we did our Trappist show. We were doing our Belgian flight and we ran into a Chimay that was skunked, unfortunately. And so Chimay, or their distributor in America, found out about this and sent us a whole bunch of a whole bunch of samples. They were going to send us two variety packs, and they sent us two cases of variety packs. So a lot of our listeners uh, won uh, Chimay samplers for the DVD giveaway. Something I will never do again because shipping was a pain. Almost everything is out. If you're listening to this and you haven't got your stuff yet, there uh, were three boxes sent out today, uh, Worldwide Stout winners. We're going to send out three more tomorrow, likely. And uh, there's like, so there's about five more people that need their stuff. So I'm going to announce next week, if you haven't got your stuff yet, you need to email me. Okay. But, but don't email me just yet. 
So we're drinking this. This is their triple. It's got the yellow label. We're drinking this in the Chimay Goblet. The other beers we had in the Sam Adams glasses. Yes, this is the um, Cinque Cent, right? The name on it. They don't put the names on the small bottles. The big bottles say Chimay Cinque Cent. Well, it says triple on it. I mean... Oh, up there it does, doesn't it? Oh. Yes. Because the red's the Premier and the mm-hmm. blue's the Grand Reserve. Now... Chimay is a Trappist beer, which there are only six. So it's an official Trappist brewery in Belgium, brewed by monks, but Chimay is the most commercial of them all. Yeah, absolutely. So let's see how these beers come across. So it's got a nice white, really fluffy head. The color is, it's kind of, it's a hazy orange-ish. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's on the cloudy side, and yeah, it's it's borderline yellow orange with kind of some yellow highlights. I think very carbonated. The little we're drinking out of the Chimay glasses that came with the sampler pack, and that little laser etching in there is just shooting off carbonation on this yeah. guy. That, I mean, these are these are great glasses. I do love these glasses. They they actually made them more bowl like than the old Chimay ones. The old Chimay ones were more flat slope and then short sides. And actually, I think these will do a better job at catching uh, the aroma. The head is. Uh, meringue. I mean, it looks like meringue. It's very thick and mm-hmm. uh, like shaking it around. It actually moves like a like a whipped cream like a instead mass, of a foam. One one complete mass. It's cool. You know, one thing that I remember about the the Chimay, and it, it definitely it comes back, is that there's there's a real the 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 triple has a lot of alcohol flavor to it. It really hits you kind of right off the bat with a lot of alcohol. See, I was going to say something different because what I expected out of a triple was something very thin, finishing very dry because the candy sugar ferments out the alcohol. So it's kind of on the hot side. It's very dry and thin. And this had a nice malt oomph to it. And it was a nice surprise. And it makes it a better, more well-rounded triple than I had expected. You don't taste that alcohol right off the bat? Not right off the bat, no. Because hmm. that's the first thing I taste, really. Before I taste, you know, the candy or the straw, the first thing I taste is kind of that alcohol hotness. Now I taste, um, I taste the maltiness to start with. Again, now I'm disagreeing with everything that I remember today. But it, it starts off with this fuller body than I expected. Maybe it's that carbonation that's just filling out the beer. Um, but yeah, I'm getting this malt and then a little bit of. Um, then it gets into the the buzzy carbonation with some hops, and you know, to me, the alcohol is is subtle. It's not really coming across very strong for me. Interesting. Even in the end, or anything, it's not coming across that strong. We should maybe take a picture of us arguing. Yeah, <laughs> wrong. You're wrong. I'm never wrong. It is kind of a full full um, consistency. It it, it feels. Bold and it feels kind of thick on your tongue, but I'm not getting much besides kind of a graininess uh, and an alcohol and a bit of of bitterness and and astringency at the end and sugariness. There's not a lot of super complex flavor that I'm that I'm picking up off of this. Take it, swish it around your mouth, put it up in your gums okay. and stuff, and and I think you're going to change your mind a little bit. So I'm getting some some kind of perfume, like some kind of flower, maybe lilac or something like that. Like 
Yeah, okay, I can getting, see where, where you're getting that. It, but to me, that's not altogether a pleasant flavor. I, I think it's kind of a little off to me. It feels... That combined with the bitterness kind of feels too too far towards, it's strange to say, too far towards, like, sea breeze or something, you know what okay. I mean? Now, I think this has all the right parts in the right proportions. I I really think this is a solid triple. And the, the most interesting thing is uh, I'm not tasting the the earthy house flavor that I thought Shumei should have. So it's kind of breaking the mold. Well, I mean, there. these have been really well handled. Yeah. Well, they've been sitting around for six, almost six been, months but now. They, but they've been sitting around in the dark in relatively cool temperatures. Yeah. That's, if you're going to store something, that's mm-hmm. the way to do it. I am surprised how cloudy this beer was when it poured. I thought it would pour clear. I mean, because it's been very stationary. And the time I moved it in the past, you know, four months was to put it in the fridge two weeks ago. That's weird. I mean, because you're liking this a lot more than you thought you would. I'm. I thought I liked this beer a lot more than I'm liking it now. Hmm. Definitely going to need a power, palate cleanser on this one, though. I think. Mm. Yeah, there's just. I mean, there is a kind of potpourri, flowery flavor mm-hmm. there. But that's hitting with the alcohol and some of the bitterness to, to make a flavor in my mouth that is not very pleasing. We got an email from uh, two people about Windcoop Winecoop, mm. where, you know, every, people had told us that it's, I called it Windcoop because I was ignorant. And people wrote and said, no, it's Winecoop. And then I went there and everyone I talked to called it Windcoop. Apparently, the street is called Winecoop. The brewery is called Windcoop, and there's two different theories on why the brewery is named differently. First one is the family. It goes the family pronounces their name Windcoop or something. The one of the streets named after or something. The other one is that the brewery didn't want to have the word wine in their name, so that's, they pronounce it Windcoop. That just seems overtly silly. So, but it now, seems we like we don't want to have a wine in our name because we're beer. <laughs> Calm down, Greg. Calm down. So, yeah, we got two different theories, but apparently the brewery is Wincoop Brewing Company on Winecoop Street or Avenue or whatever it is. But just in case anyone is wondering, it's not like he didn't finish this. I just finished the Chimay. So it's not like it was gross to me. It was right. just. And Jose Bush sent us an announcement saying that Bourbon's Winter Cascale is out, and they have a new twist this year, Snowdrift. It's layering Bare Knuckle Stout on top of Bourbon's Winter Cascale, so you get a black and tan with two Anheuser Bush products. Hmm. There's a picture of it right there. I'm not a big fan of mixing beers in general. Uh, you know, the, I don't think... The only time we've ever done on the show, I know, is when we did the, the Salvation. Uh, I can't imagine mixing a... Uh, a vanilla cherry type beer with uh, an Irish stout would be a good compliment. I don't know. I'm gonna have to try it when I get some. Uh, in the glass, it does kind of look cool. In the glass, I will. I will give it that. I bet it'd be it'd be something that people would be like, "Wow, what the heck is that?" I bet it doesn't taste all that great. Yeah, I don't know. I can't imagine they pair very well together. Maybe a chocolate stout. It, but but there's a dry Irish like Guinness, and I can't imagine that yeah. flavor goes very well with vanilla cherries and oak. And now I know I like Winter's Bourbon Cast more than you did. I did not like uh, 
Bare Knuckle. The bare Knuckle. I, I don't go for nitrogenated beers in general, and I didn't like Bare Knuckle at all. Yeah, go the, with... Uh, the Boulevard Dry Stout. Go with Boulevard Dry Stout if you have to... If you gotta have a stout. Okay, so we're gonna step up to the next one. The uh, You wanna do the Grand Reserve next? Yeah, because I... Okay, Greg's, to, Greg's banking that the uh, the, the, the premier, red, the, the double, is going to be the best. I, I really remember the red being the best, so I, I kind of want to end on that to, to see whether that, that's true or not. So we're going to go to the Grand Reserve, which is a strong dark. I don't think it's really called a quadruple. I think it's more of a strong no, dark. No, this, this is not a quad. But it's around 9 or 10%, right? It's the strongest beer, yeah. This is the blue. This is the one you're most likely to find. It's nine percent, yeah. So the Chimay's come in two kinds of bottles. They come in the small squats, eleven point two fluid ounce bottles, the thirty three centiliters, mm-hmm. and they'll come in the seven hundred fifty milliliter caged and cork bottle. So you can get a big bottle of Chimay for a special event or these little ones for drinking every day. And they also have at Sharp Edge a bottle that's like <laughs> <laughs> three liters. <laughs> three liters. It's ridiculous. And it's like two hundred bucks or something like that. But it's a lot of beer, so it's not like you're paying 200 bucks for one beer. So I'm getting a little bit of uh, raisins out of the aroma. Very subtle, I mean, mm-hmm. but like yeah. if I smell anything, I smell raisins. Like, a little bit uh, of sugar. A little bit of sugar, too. Yeah, sure. I mean, the kind of kind, what I'm smelling is kind of a bit of oxidation, but not bad cardboard oxidation is kind of how the nose is coming across on me. No, we'll see. I, I doubt it's, it's too oxidized. And the, the color is... Uh, Darker brown with some lighter brown highlights. Okay, the flavor tastes good and clean. It's uh, crazy carbonated. That's the first thing that hit my tongue. Mm-hmm. Crazy. It came across a lot more carbonated than even the triple did. Oh, that's nice. And then yeah, you there's get... A, there's a real get, caramel. You get some caramel. You get... Uh, this one tastes a little bit of that hotness that I was expecting yeah. in the uh, triple. Thin, hot... You know, hot, burning alcohol. I'm getting a little more in this one than I did in That's the That's funny, because to me, the alcohol is not nearly as present. Hmm. Well, I mean, but you, you know, I mean, I told you, the, the thing I was really primarily tasting in that triple was the alcohol. Right. So. Got an email here from a uh, new listener, Richard. He says he's been drinking craft beers for about three or four years. He's not sure he would even count the first year due to the fact that he didn't know what he was tasting. He just knew it tasted better than Miller Lite. Yeah. That, that's, that's how a lot of people started. I mean... That's how I discovered Guinness, right? Wow, beer doesn't have to suck, you know? So. I remember I got on, on a thing where I was buying Newcastle Brown Ale all the time. Not that I would recommend that because I don't like it now, but it was different. It was something different than Molson or Budweiser or whatever. He he goes on to mention about the joys of cellaring beers. Um, he has 25 cases of different beers in the cellar. That's an impressive cellar. I probably have 200 beers in there. They're not all cellar-worthy. I probably only have... 60 cellared beers in there or so. Uh, he, he mentions that we should get it more into uh, cellaring. Like, as I said, my cellar's not too shabby, but uh, I don't know. It's it's hard because... There's also a lot of beers that are meant to be drunk fresh and not Yeah, there, there's that, and there's also... We do a show ideally once a week, and we got to pull out some beers from there. So it's not like we can we can keep them around just sort of, you know... I mean, we could, I suppose, but a lot of the beer is gratefully sent to us from other listeners, or, or we're, we're grateful that listeners are sending it to us, and we don't get that much from them, so we have to try it out, and we can't really sell her at all. 
he mentioned some Belgian beers here. I'm not even sure I can pronounce right. He says he's selling some really good beer by Didol and, oh, geez, T apostrophe SM. T Smizje? Smizje. And BFM and... Uh, La Rules and Pico Rauri. <laughs> oh, he, he has beers I haven't heard of. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> please include, please include hyperlinks. No, I'm just kidding. But uh no, I'm glad you like the show and uh we should have a conversation on cellaring sometime about beers. I don't think we've talked about that in quite a while. He he is one of the blisters I think who's starting from the beginning and going through. Because at the very end he says, I have to disagree about Dark Lord. I like that insane oh. coding. I think he listened to the first time we did Dark yeah, Lord, not he, the second time. He says he uh can't uh, smell the acetone. He opened a bottle number two to check. Yeah, I, I when I replied to him, I told him we did taste Dark Lord twice. The first time was without the sludge, and yeah. it didn't taste all that great. And and Monkey Toe sent us another bottle. Thank you, Monkey Toe. And the beer was amazing. It was certainly a wow beer, and we understand why it's ranked mm-hmm. number two. I'd probably rank it higher than West Vlederen, actually. It's- if you're ranking the two beers. In terms of uniqueness, Dark Lord wins out. In terms of probably downright enjoyability to anybody who tries it, Wes Vlederen would win out. Yeah, you're, I mean, but if you were actually scoring the beers. Yeah, I would probably, if, if I was actually scoring them side by side, oh man, that'd, that'd be such a tough contest. <laughs> that, that'd be so hard to judge. Yeah, it would. I mean, here you have, on one hand, a beer that is pretty much undeniably perfect in almost every way. Mm-hmm. And the other end, you have a beer that is so unique and so just out there and completely, <laughs> but at the same time, completely drinkable, completely pleasing. It's almost not scorable. Yeah. You know, it's like... That's a tough contest. Imagine it being a homebrew competition and scoring Dark Lord. <laughs> what would you do? <laughs> it's It's hard to know how to take, but those are... I mean, if you had to pick one and two, but not pick an order, those would probably be one and two, or close to it. It's been a long time since I've had Grand Reserve from Chimay. I am really enjoying this a lot more than I ever have in the past. It's good. It's really good. It's, uh, you know, we're not tasting against other Belgians, Mm -hmm. so, and that's when we usually would taste this. Right. And I think that it may, what it may lack in comparison to some other Belgians, a little bit of, uh, Sweeter flavor, yeah, some more caramel maltiness to it because it is pretty dry for how dark it is. That's an interesting combination. It it does compete well against some of these other beers we had tonight, mm-hmm. so it it definitely is very pleasing tonight. It's that law of same beer tasting. Oh, there's two events coming up that uh, I'm going to be featured in at the East End Brewing Open Houses on December eighth. I'm not sure if you can make it, but I will be hosting a beer and cheese tasting during oh, the really? VIP session. Yep, we're going to try to do actually an instructor-led session where we're like, kind of like if you listen to the Garrett Oliver beer and cheese that I recorded. Right. I want to do something like that with with better cheese distribution plans than they had at the Great American Beer Fest. So we're going to have um, four cheeses, I think, four or five cheeses. I think four cheeses. Pair them up with Scott's beers in different ways and... Uh, and just no kind wine of, to, to no, we're not doing a wine. Yeah. We're just just uh, is that a competition? Just comparing them up here. Actually, let me uh, pull up the pairings so some of our listeners might. I'd love to get feedback on these pairings too. I hope that I don't know if I can make it, but I hope that if you if I can't make it, I mean I don't know. I mean if I make it, obviously I'd, I'd just be in the audience anyway. I wouldn't really. 
be up there, but that you use my cheese to be your analogy. Oh, the Velveeta? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so he gave me the list of the beers that he was going to be pouring, so I tried to put together. So here's the pairing I came up with. A simple starter. We're going to do a cheddar cheese with this Big Hop IPA. Okay. So I figured the sharpness, the hops will kind of play. It's not my most favorite pairing, but I was trying to... I couldn't do all blue cheeses, right? <laughs> or all right. something. So I just started off the cheddar. And then I figured Asiago with a nut brown ale. Because the Asiago is kind of nutty. I think that'd be a good combination. Well, we, we, you should try these, obviously, before you you commit. Well, yeah. But we're like, we're probably going to get the cheeses and try them. And if something's really bad, we're going to have to right, find another yeah. beer for that cheese. <laughs> it's not like I can go out and... And then I want to do a goat milk cheese with a wit because a goat milk has a lemony type flavor to it. So like a Humboldt fog. Sort of tang, yeah. Yeah, so the lemony tang from the goat milk and, and the tang from the coriander and the wit beer, I think is what I want to do there. Um, and then I want to do a triple creme or a blue cheese with gratitude and their barley wine. Um, they say that, uh, I was looking for it, they say that barley wines and blue cheeses pair well and I've never had it, so I want to see how that works. Yeah, a lot of intense malt, a lot of intense flavor. And then Scott has some Big Cup Harvest Ale from 06 that is soured. And I want to do the same blue cheese with that beer because I found when you com- complement flavors like that, sour and sour, it wipes out the sour in the beer. So you might taste something other than the sourness in the beer. And you might get some interesting flavors out of the beer that you wouldn't otherwise. Or some gross flavors. I mean, there's always that possibility. <laughs> well, we'll see how it goes. That sounds great. So, yeah, we're doing a, a beer and cheese pairing there. And then um, Bucktown Bar and Grill in Robinson, they invited me out to do a holiday beer tasting. So she's like, just name the holiday beers you want. So she mentioned that uh, she didn't want to stick with one wholesaler because they're pretty spread out. And she used celebrations. Yeah, she sent that to me too. I oh, was did like, you get that? <laughs> I was oh, like, oh, but it's okay. just for Jeff. Oh well, I didn't copy <laughs> on my reply, I guess. But she's mentioned celebrations, so I, I, so I'm going to do Anchor Christmas. You got to do Anchor Christmas, right? Especially if these people are noobs right. and not sure what holiday beers can be. How can you not do Anchor Christmas? I'll do Celebration because I think she wanted to do it. Uh, Anderson Valley Winter Solstice, absolutely. That mm-hmm. is my favorite Christmas beer. Yeah. That that's it's it's so hard to go wrong with that yeah. one. Uh, I'm thinking Southern Tier Old Man Winter. Actually, I had a really well good one the other night. I had um, Odd Notion from Magic Hat. In general, you know how we're not too fond of Magic Hat. That Ringwood yeast they use gives it a flavor. Yeah, but you know I've had a couple of specialty beers from them that I've really enjoyed. I just had the Roxy Rolls too, which is this uh, amber hoppy amber that they do, which is pretty good. But the Odd Notion was an interesting winter warmer type beer. Uh, maybe Avery Celebration or uh, no, I'm sorry, That's Jubilation. A lot of beers you're doing. Yeah. Well, this one's not going to be instructor led. This one's going to be like a normal uh, beer tasting, right? Get in line, get samples, and most people aren't going to want to talk to me. I just but, wonder why I wasn't invited. I don't know. <laughs> you can come, man. You can come. Actually, in a follow up email, she mentioned uh, my what she call you. She called me uh, my business partner. Oh, business so partner. She mustn't know your name. But, uh, oh, yeah, I think you got it because she sent it to the contact form on the website. So, yeah, we're going to be doing two craft beer radio events around Pittsburgh. So, I don't know. It'll be my first two public appearances. It'll be kind of fun. Kind of reminds me of the HTML classes we used to do at Nautica. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) We can talk about those in the post show. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, you know, that, that very last sip I had was the best sip. 
oddly enough. I mean, it was good beer, but that very last sip was really caramely and almost a little bit nutty. It was so really I got good. one sip left. And if you're a listener of the show, you know that I normally like much less carbonation than Greg does in the beers. And this one was crazy carbonated, but I, it was good, so I was drinking it carbonated. I am swirling this guy like a madman. Take out a lot of carbonation. So I want to see what this thing tastes like when it's a little more reasonable. Not flat, but not crazy carbonation. And here we go. Not as good. I can taste more of the higher alcohols, the fusel alcohols in it. It's just kind of hotter and... Mm. Yeah, it didn't... So the carbonation helps it. It, it brought out bad things when I took the carbonation Interesting. Out. Okay, now let's go with what uh, up to now has been my favorite Chimay. Let's see if it stays with that. And really, I think a Chimay that, that is very good competition for other doubles out there. This is their Chimay Red. It is their double. It is harder to find than the other ones I've found. Oh really? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, the Grand Grand Reserve seems to be omnipresent, um, but I really haven't had problems finding the double around town. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I just haven't been in the right place at the right time. If you go to Three Sons, they have a pretty big Belgian selection now. They have their own cooler dedicated to Belgians, and then like probably twenty four linear feet of. <laughs> Belgian shelves, you know, that are five feet high. Now, the first thing I notice is, is the best smelling beer of the night. Let's see if I can get some more aroma off this. I got a little hint, but it was so subtle that it was like teasing me. I mean, there's kind of a of a malty malty sugar aroma with. Uh, First sip is tons of carbonation once again. And to be honest, I, I didn't get much past the carbonation in flavor. It kind of it was scrubbing the flavor off my tongue as soon as it hit it, you know? It was like... So it finished like with like no aftertaste because the carbonation scrubbed off whatever got on my tongue. Hmm. Okay, there we go. I was waiting for... I was The first sip, I was like, wow, is, do I like the blue better than the red? And then I kind of gave it some time. And let it sit. And then the aftertaste hits. And the aftertaste is kind of... It's real, It's nice and sweet. With just a, a tiny hint of bitterness there. And it's really good. Here's a little tidbit for Craft Beer Radio listeners. If you've listened for a while, you've probably heard us read some emails from a listener, Brian Klauser. If you listen to the Scott Sigler uh, patio book, uh, Nocturnal, the main character is named Brian Klauser. He won the competition that he had and he's now the main character for this novel this he's the guy that does all the gory shoot him up kill him all these bloody novels so i can't wait to see how freaky brian gets and <laughs> you know starts dismembering children or something like that that that's different <laughs> but when i heard him I'm like hey i know brian closer is the same one and yeah he won a comp- contest that the guy was ha- that scott was having but and he got to be the main character in the new book Greg's gonna be like, "What a dork!" But no, that's not what I'm about. I'm just saying, great. I mean, you know, you get to be a child killer. No, well, he's not a child killer yet. <laughs> but if you listen to any of the Scott Sigler books, uh, it just—I don't think it's dorky at all. I, I want to make—I want to make that present. I, I think it's cool. I just think that, like you say, it's incredibly violent and out of and out there. That just seems like the kind of book I—I I mean, you know. If it was like if it was Greg Weiss being put into a book, 
maybe it was president or you know the first astronaut to land right. on Pluto or something. Well, there's a, a lot of characters or a lot of real people's names are used in the book, but a lot of them are are getting killed off real quick. He does these, you know, what is it? he says the this podcast contains adult language, mature situations, and lots and lots of violence. So, <laughs> do. Um, does he just? I mean, how do you pick up names? This is this is more of a post show conversation, I realize. But how do you pick up names for, for when you're doing stuff? Because that seems like a hard thing to do. You just open up a phone book and be like, "Hmm, this name seems reasonable." Yeah, let's take that to the post show. We could have some fun conversation on that, but let's not waste our people's time here. Mm. It's a little bit of teasing for the post show, though. Mm-hmm. Now I got to write it down so I remember to talk about it. <laughs> Okay, it'll be no forgotten. Pen, so it'll be forgotten. So like, <laughs> like that Mitch Hedberg joke. You just gotta wish that you just gotta convince yourself it was a bad idea. <laughs> so you still loving the double after having all of them in a row? Yes, I am. I really do think that it's. Um, See, I'm I'm having a hard time really picking out the in, the engaging flavors. Right? It's it's this medium that has some flavor on it, but it's not. Like the triple really sucked me in with certain flavors, and this one's. Hmm. Well, yeah, I didn't really appreciate the triple that much at all. I, I, I do think that, but you know, the, the the blue really did grow on me a lot more than I expected, and so it's competing very roughly, with, very, very harshly with the red. Uh, this one is seven percent versus the blue at about nine. So make your choice based on that if you want to. I think that the, the blue is a little bit more full, as it turns out. Okay. I may have to change. I mean, I, th- there's a really good flavor with, with the with the red, but I think for I I didn't think this before, but right now, I think the blues a little bit better. Yeah, I, I I don't know if we want to get into the rankings yet, but certainly out of the three, it's the last beer of the night. Why not? Sure. Okay. So comparing the blue and the red, they're they're very similar. The red had a, or the blue had a little bit more carom or. Dark multi flavors. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm still working carbonation out of this one, warming it up, trying to really get what it can taste like. But from sip one, that triple really engaged me. It had more malt flavor than any of the beers, and I thought it was like, you know, a triple with all the right moves. I mean, it just to me, it was like, hey, I normally don't love triples because they're very dry, very burny, very high, you know, lots of parent alcohol, and that one had this nice malt. Um, push to it and I'm like yeah so for me my favorite beer tonight is the Chimay Triple how to rank in these other beers um, that are non-Chimay man I'm wishing the I wish the just ang- do it just I go. wish I wish go the Antler Brown Ale tasted better tonight because it was so good actually you know I I forgot about this I had a bottle of from the six pack already it was delicious I had it a week ago Five days ago. So it changed in that time? Or maybe following that stout and the pre-show wrecked right. it. I don't know. But that I had a bottle already out of the six-pack. You want pack. to include the stout because... Stout was pretty good. And and the, um, the Bethlehem Brew Works, that's going to be a hard one to rank, too, because it tastes like a Christmas beer. Yeah, it's rough. Rough, rough, rough. I For, think because the Boulevard was really good, I think we'll, we'll include Boulevard it. was really good, so we'll include it. I'm going to put that number two. I thought that was a really good mm-hmm. and for a dry Irish stout, man, 
and <laughs> beats Guinness into yeah. the ground. Um, number three, I'm going to put. It's tough. It's very close. I think I'm going to put the Bethlehem. That ginger, that nutmeg flavor is very mm-hmm. interesting. Number four, I'm going to put the Grand Reserve because I liked it better than the double. I'm going to put the double next, and then I'm going to have to put that antler, which you know I used to love, but tonight it's probably my fault the way we paste it. But I'm going to put that last because it didn't taste as malty as I thought it hmm. should. So that is my order for this evening. My order is, is very easy to me. Unlike other ones where it's been hard to do an order, this one is very easy for me. My my very first one, uh, I think that the winner to me is the Chimay Blue. I think that I really, uh, I really enjoyed that one today. I thought that uh, more than the red, which kind of surprised me because I remember the, I liking the red more. Who knows? Blue wins out for me tonight. I really like the maltiness. I like the flavor to it. I think right, right beneath it, though, is the red. The red kind of wins second. I did really enjoy it, so uh, get that red to me. Next, I have to go with the Boulevard. Boulevard Dry Stout. Really drinkable, really nice. Uh, relatively low in alcohol, I think, so you know, good drinker, but not exactly a session beer. Uh, then Bethlehem. I, I, you know, you didn't detect the odiness that I detect, but I really did like that odiness. Okay. That was coming through. I have to go with the brown ale. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. It just kind of didn't didn't do much for me. Uh, it seemed reasonable beer, nice drinker. Again, nothing special. Okay, really, yeah, nothing particularly special about it. And then I just really didn't uh, like the, the, <laughs> My the number flavor. One I was beer. getting out of the triple. I, I just didn't. <laughs> so. Uh, you know, everybody has different palates, so that's the way it is. But uh, a Chimay wins and a Chimay loses for me. But they're no skunked. You know? Yeah, they're good. And uh, we appreciate Chimay USA for sending us these samples. And I'm sure our listeners who want them appreciate it. Yeah, one thing I have to say about Chimay is if you don't like highly carbonated beer, you're probably not going to like any yeah. of the Chimays. Yeah, I mean, because, but you can work the carbonation out. So but they didn't. the ones I've done so far aren't as good. Because to me, I'm drinking it and they t- like the triple tasted good. So if you're not if you don't love a really fizzy beer, then Chimay might not be your style. Again, I don't love a really fizzy beer, but I can still appreciate these Chimays. So they're that good that even if you don't care for super fizzy, you still might like them. But if you absolutely hate fizzy beers, then yeah. Chimay's out of your uh, out of your off your radar. I'm sure. They're probably all Belgians. I mean, Belgians are pretty highly carbonated in general. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to Craft Beer Radio. We appreciate you listening to episode 95. 90, wow. Just, we did 95 shows already? We've done 95 shows. Wow. So we're going to have to have an spectacular coming up sometime soon. I'm not sure what show do you think we should do it. See, I'm, you know, I like the 108 or, you know, 112 just to get, you know, to get off the whole thing. We're <laughs> the 100th doing the 100th, will just yeah. be this. We should do a crappy, crappy, horrible show for the 100th. <laughs> There's some people who say that all our shows are crappy, crappy, hard. We've got the 95 doing crappy, crappy, horrible shows, so what are you going to do? Well, it's not like they're paying the bills or anything. This is true. But thank you for listening. We have tons of stuff to talk about in the post show because we haven't talked in three weeks now. So download that post show and give it a listen. If you haven't listened to any of the extra content yet, check out the post show. It might be something you like. We've got people like Groucho from The Beer Report who only listens to our extra content. And, um, Greg, you haven't heard... uh, no, I have. I, I tried to send you... Well, we'll talk about it in the potion. Okay. Craft More beer teasing. Craft Beer Radiohead.
That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Find a little place to keep up the night. We have kept the night.